in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. The Raiders will announce their new president today at 1 p.m. They have gone through two different presidents in the last two years. Mark Bidane and Dan Ventrelli uh, have either resigned or been fired, or maybe Dan Ventrelli just, Mark Davis, like, yeah, he was never the real president. Just you remember that whatever. quote? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't the real president. Just okay. because in the media guide and elsewhere he's listed as the president doesn't mean he was ever the president. <laughs> so they're announcing a new one today. It It's an off-field move or non-football related move right normally we talk about general managers head coaches but it does feel like we talked about with q it feels like a pretty important hire simply because they've gone through so many presidents they've had so much turnover they had financial issues that mark davis said oh we paid too much in taxes and then we had the new york times story the review journal you guys had a story as well about employees that have sued the Raiders for being mistreated or or a whole bunch of different issues. It feels like a really important hire simply for the Raiders to kind of get everything in order and not look like a mess. Yeah, exactly. There's been complete chaos for the last year. So hopefully whoever it is can bring a sort of calm to the business side of it. I think it's obvious that Ziggler and McDaniels will run the football side of things, but you're right. Uh, Usually presidents, um, I'm not an expert on NFL presidents of when they come and when they go, but I would imagine very few walk into a situation like this where, you know, as we reported in the paper, all the lawsuits, all the uh, the um, accusations, uh, what kind of culture it was, whoever this person is is going to walk in and, and have uh, have their hands full just getting it back to kind of a normal culture. Do you think at all that this was maybe a less attractive NFL president job than other ones because of that? I guess it depends. On, uh, I guess it depends on who it is. Um, yeah. When we see who it is, we'll see, you know. I think your question will be answered right then. Um, you know, whoever it is, uh, like I said, has has their hands full. If and again, a lot of this stuff was accusations. A lot of this stuff came from people who are no longer there. So I'm not going to say internally how how good or bad it really is i don't work there i'm not there but if all of that stuff or even some of that stuff has veracity behind it uh this person's gonna have some work to do to try to bring that culture back to you know one i think they'd be proud of and i do think i do think davis uh at least from the football we saw him evolving by going outside the building um i don't know what he's gonna do here but I mean, again, he needs to evolve if he wants this organization to be back respected in all forms, not just football-wise. That's a great, great question. Yesterday, Shohei Otani pitched seven innings, gave up two hits, one unearned run against the Marlins. He also went one for four while driving in two runs. All of that brought the Angels within 16 and a half <laughs> of the AL West lead. We talked about the other day, man. They are really bad, and they, and despite how Trout's playing, they've got probably the two best players in the world, and yet they're still really bad other than this guy. Where are – oh, my God. They're seven back of the last wild card oh. spot. And they so right now Toronto holds the last wild card spot. These are all the teams still ahead of the Angels for the last wild card spot. Cleveland, Seattle, Chicago, Baltimore, oh. and the Texas Rangers. Like – 
they're, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible that they can have. Uh, it's it's the Angels. It they were supposed to be. They were actually good to start the year. Well, they were Remember? good. They were. You kind of wondered at the start of the year if they could. I don't know about overtake the Astros, but at least challenge them and give them something to you know look at and you may be concerned with. And then it was. Then it's just been a complete disaster. And they're you know they're sixteen and a half back. Um, well, I mean they're not six up in the Padres. Uh, but uh, they're 16 and a half back in the AL West. Six up, by the way. Six. Oh, don't oh, get too gotta, cocky. You got to love it. You know the Padres are only like three. You know the Padres are only like three uh, out of uh, or in, in a playoff spot. Their uh, their pad is only three games now. Yeah, that's, that's a shame. plenty, isn't it? That's plenty of games. That's eh, a shame. Next question. All right. Chicago apparently might put a roof on Soldier Stadium. Um Basically, the Bears are trying to get a new stadium somewhere in Chicago, and they've gone. They've entered into an agreement to buy some land in a suburb of Chicago. And Chicago is sort of worried that the Bears might actually leave Soldier Field, and so there's a Chicago mayoral committee, and they're apparently going to look into putting a roof on Soldier Stadium to try to entice the Bears to stay. But this was the detail that I was like, well, what are we doing here? The expected cost or estimated cost here, anywhere from $400 million to $1.5 billion to put a roof oh on goodness. Soldier Field. Well, and in 2022, it's just not the roof. So I've been to Soldier Field, and that is an old, old facility. So if you want the brand-new suites and what you know comes with something like Allegiant, I don't think the Bears are going to care if there's a roof on it. I mean, that I guess that would be nice, but there's a lot more to it than getting that place up to, you know, the NFL standards of this day in terms of what they want in stadiums. One point five billion, yeah, for a roof. If, if you are Chicago, and I don't know the land situation in Chicago, maybe there's nowhere to do this. But if you're willing to spend as much as one point five billion on a roof. Just build them a new stadium. Yeah, build them a new stadium. Yeah, you get like, five hundred million, what? and you got a beautiful stadium. Right. Like what? Just build them a new one if you're gonna if you're willing to spend that much. And again, maybe there's not the land in Chicago to do it, but like that's a ridiculous amount of money just to put a roof on something. Just build an entire new one for that cost, and the Bears would probably be happy. I just I'm amazed how often teams can basically leverage or blackmail their way into getting free stadiums or free money for stadiums or in this case a roof next question all right this was an interesting detail um mark stein tweeted this out yesterday bobby marks uh had the original thing here but bradley beal has the only no trade clause of any nba player right now there's no way we would have guessed that in a trivia question no absolutely not Apparently, no trade clauses are kind of hard to get in the NBA. You have to have eight years of service time, so in the league for eight years. And you've got to have played for at least four seasons with your current team. So a lot of guys aren't eligible simply because they've changed teams in the last four years. Right, exactly. But, like, in the NHL, you can hand those things out, like, to whoever you want, basically. But in the NBA, it's very hard to get, and apparently... Bradley Beal is now the only guy in the league that has a a full no trade clause. Nobody else apparently has one. Do they in the NBA? Do they have lists of ten teams like uh, Daddy did? <laughs> did, did, did? Like Daddy, like Kevin Durant will be traded to Toronto, and I'm like, wait a minute, 
That's on my 10-teamer. I have this written on a napkin that the, everybody forgot about, yeah, but it's on my no-trade That would no be absolutely list. awesome if, he, if, the, if they pulled the Golden Knights and they traded him to a team on, the, on, on his no-10 list. I don't know if they have those lists. I've never heard of it there. My, just like I've never heard that there's only one player in the league with a full no-trade, and it's Bradley Beal. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we just hadn't thought about it because I feel like we haven't heard very much about no-trade clauses in the NBA. But when you think about it, we talk about it quite a bit with hockey, even before Dodonov's hilarious trade to Anaheim. We've talked about it quite a bit with no trade clauses that NHL players have, but it just never comes up in the NBA, apparently, because nobody has one. Man, you know, that's a great question. Rafa Nadal beat Taylor Fritz in five sets yesterday. Nadal came back to win sets four and five to avoid the upset. Uh, he he apparently said he was worried he wouldn't finish the match due to abdominal pain yesterday. Didn't he just get done playing through some ridiculous foot? Yeah, he had like a, a, a broken ago? bone in his foot. Is that okay now? Like, well, what is he just like fighting through every injury possible? He's not young anymore. I mean, he's got I think nineteen majors or whatever he's got. He's not a young guy anymore. I don't I don't even think about the where the abdominal pain came from. I, we watched uh, we watched some of the match in here yesterday, and uh, Fritz actually felt bad for him because he was right there to win it. Kid from San Diego, eleven seed, obviously a really good player. But Rafa's still Rafa. Um, you are obviously, uh, as you said yesterday, uh, voting for Kyrgios in the, in oh, the semis. let's go, Kyrgios. 5.30 a.m. tomorrow. Better wake up and watch it. Oh, man. I I hope Kyrgios wins. I'll you be want him to excited. win Wimbledon. Oh, I yes, because the guy's kind of insane. Like, he's the one guy that, like, if he wins, I want to see how he celebrates. The rest of them just kind of go grab their little trophy or their little plate, and they'll bite it or something weird like that. Kyrgios <laughs> might, like... <laughs> Hit his opponent with the racket afterwards or something like that. I don't know what he's going to do. He's great. Well, we said the other day he might push the queen. Yes. Or like exactly. try to high five or like bump, you know, fist bump the queen and she wouldn't know what to do. So he'd get all yeah. pissed at her. He'll be he'll be like, hey, I'll give you a piggyback ride around the court. Let's go. <laughs> It'd be great. I'm out. All right. Central Florida landed twins in their football recruiting class. Two linebackers, Andrew and Michael Harris. But here's what I thought was funny. 24-7 Sports ranks them as the 190th and 297th <laughs> best players in the class of 2023. How bad is Michael? I don't know. But I love the idea that some 24-7's ranking system is like, you know what? These two kids are identical. There's 107 spots between them. Man, They're not even close. That's great, being twins. How, my, Michael uh, can't be that good at 297. Uh well, I'm not Andrew at 190s. No, uh, no, no All Star either. Um, but that is amazing. How are identical twins playing the same position that different? Yes, and how? Yeah, and the, maybe the other key is like how confident are the people that 24/7 like uses to grade these people? How confident are they that they were grading the right twin every time? Oh, that's right. You like, what if like ah, they were at some camp and they both uh, they didn't have a number on like. How confident are you at the right one? Um, according to uh, the story in The Athletic, these are the third and seventh highest rated recruits in Central Florida history. So they're what actually pretty good about Central Florida? Well, they've been pretty good without recruiting yeah, good players. exactly. That's crafty wording right there. I give you credit. <laughs> Oakland A's starter Frankie Montes will miss his start this weekend. He's getting a cortisone shot in his arm and the A's have not given a timeline on his return he if he's healthy right he would be 
the best one of the two or three best starting pitchers available at the trade deadline. So this is uh, potentially a pretty big injury in Major League Baseball, given that Montas likely could be traded to a contender. Say, he's, he, he's one of the ones they're going to try to unload. Yeah, so we're curious to see how long this injury is. Again, no timeline given by the A's, but the trade deadline this year, I think, is August 2nd in Major League Baseball. So he's got about a month, essentially, to prove that he's healthy because otherwise I doubt he's getting traded if he's not healthy. Well, that's okay because, you know, when they come here, they're going to spend a lot more money. That's right. They're not going to unload anybody. Not going to trade away their best players. That would never happen. How could that happen? That's ridiculous to even think about. All right, coming up next, let's jump back into college football realignment and some more rumors reporting on who the Big Ten wants. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. College football realignment. What a fun summer topic. Thank you. Daily USU topic UCLA. that we needed That's more great. than anything. It's great. So uh, we've had some uh, a whole bunch of reporting, I should say, on college football, what's next, who's next. But I thought this one was interesting. John Wilner, uh, who originally broke the story on USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, he tweeted this yesterday. I'd be from a source. I'd be stunned if Washington and Oregon go to the Big Ten. The Big Ten will sit back for two years, then try to get Notre Dame. All right. And we also had from John growing reality is the Ducks and Huskies have to one, make it work in the Pac 12, or two, join the Big 12. And John Wilner said, my guess is that one, sticking in the Pac-12, is their preference. Hmm. So, on that, let's let's start with the very uh, the, the Big Ten side of this. Do you think the Big Ten is going to sit back for the next couple of years and simply wait on Notre Dame? I mean, yes. If, if I had to say what the source said, I would expect that. They, Big Ten makes the most sense for Notre Dame. Uh, again... We talked about this. If they're the number two uh, conference now behind the SEC, maybe they feel they've done enough to stay number two. And who else is out there? Oregon and Washington? I don't know if they feel they need Oregon Washington that badly. Um, the problem's going to be, what if the Big Ten, or it's going to be the Big 12, excuse me, to go after all those Pac-10 teams, uh, Pac-12, and now I'm saying Pac-10. Um, <laughs> the Big Ten, you know, they've already got USC and UCLA. If they wanted others, I think they would have already gone after them. Um, which they didn't, so it would not surprise me if the Big Ten's just waiting Notre Dame out because if what happens is what we said the other day where you have these two super conferences, I think ultimately Notre Dame has to make a decision. I, I just don't think they can stay independent. As powerful as Notre Dame is, I think eventually other powerful programs will say, hey, you either come with us or we're going to move on. So from the Big Ten's decision-making right now, I think this simply comes down to are there any other schools we could add that would make us more money? Like that's that's what all like they added Rutgers and Maryland simply for the television markets right. that those teams are close to, right? Does anybody in the New York City television market really care about Rutgers? Probably not that many, but it's close enough and you can sell, hey, we're in New York. And by getting USC and UCLA, the big now you're in Southern in, California. 
Right. They're in Los Angeles and New York, which is ridiculous to think about for a college conference. So if you look at these other schools, it's not always going to be about who provides the best, you know, football team or athletic competition or anything like that. It's going to be about who brings in money and who brings in eyeballs. Notre Dame would do that. Hell, Notre Dame has its own television deal with right. NBC. I don't know exactly what would happen to their TV deal, but you can absolutely, if you're the Big Ten, you can absolutely go to Fox or ESPN or whoever and say, hey, we just added Notre Dame. Give us more money, and they probably would give them more money. But Oregon and Washington aren't really on that level. And do you carry, you know, Portland and Seattle, right? Are there decently sized markets there? Yes. But is that really enough to tip the scales for the Big Ten? And they're basically probably going to tell us no, that Oregon and Washington sounds great, but it doesn't actually do a whole lot to get the Big Ten and more money. On a much smaller scale, isn't that why we said the Mountain West might be in trouble? Because what are they really bringing? Right, exactly. So if you're the Big Ten right now, I can totally understand them sitting back and saying, okay, who brings us money? I would say one potential difference or break from that is if the ACC started to break up and they could go get Miami or Clemson, Florida State or Florida Clemson State, or Clemson, something yeah. like that, yeah. right? Like, And those schools make more sense geographically for the SEC, but the Big Ten's in New York and Los Angeles, yeah, so what's I mean, it matter if they're in exactly. Miami too? But like, that's one where I could see if all of a sudden the ACC started to break. Like if Clemson was like, yep, we're going to the SEC, and now the ACC schools were looking to flee, I could see the Big Ten saying, yeah, Miami makes a lot of sense because it gets us into Miami, and that's potentially a you know a big brand or whatever. But outside of that, I can see them sitting back and saying, all right, Notre Dame, what are you doing? You join in a conference? Come on in. And then at that point, Maybe you add another school to keep an even number, whatever it ends up being. But I can see that being what happens. Now, I'm curious your thoughts on the Pac-12 side. John Wilner says that he thinks that Oregon and Washington would prefer to keep the current Pac-12 in, in, as it is, as opposed to joining the Big 12. That is that what they should me. want to do? That surprises me. Only because uh, meteorites, we know that they're not going to probably get as good a deal without UCLA and USC. The money that would be perhaps in a bigger conference, that that surprises me that they want to say. I would have thought Oregon and Washington, if they got a uh, um, a invite to the Big 12, they would jump right away. I don't, I don't know why. I'm trying to think of the reasons they'd want to stay in the Pac-12 if the money's going to be less and it would be the fear of those other leagues moving forward without the Pac-12? I would guess if you're Oregon and Washington, the benefit to trying to keep the Pac-12 together is that if you're going to be in sort of one of these second-tier power conferences, that you, I guess you'd rather be in the one you're currently in against teams you're familiar with than joining a brand-new one. So like if, like if Oregon and Washington join the Big 12, that's not suddenly... That conference isn't as good as the SEC and the Big Ten. No. It's still, still, it's still a behind big it. step below. So if you're Oregon and Washington, you might sit back and say, well, we'd rather just stay with the guys we know rather than join this other sort of second-tier conference. But I do wonder if you're Oregon and Washington, how much do you have to look out there? Like they, Oregon and Washington can't let Colorado, Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State, State leave for the Big 12. No, they can't let them jump. Right. If those four left in Oregon and Washington were just looking around saying, what happened here? Then Oregon and Washington, I don't know what happens to them at that point. So, like, 
I think there's a level of they prefer to stay in the Pac-12, but I think they have to be proactive and realize, hey, we should probably be aggressive and be the ones yeah. to make the move to the yeah. Big 12 so that we we secure our future. Even if it's in a second-tier power conference, we secure yeah. our future in a league that we know is going to exist. Well, if those others are already meeting with them, we t- said it the other day, it's dog-eat-dog. Now everyone's just looking out for themselves. And if you're Oregon and Washington, like you said, it's probably best that you do that as well. Um, if they, If those others jump and you don't get an invite, I mean... We're talking literally. Could you see Oregon with a Mountain West with with the majority of Mountain West teams? Oregon, <laughs> Phil Knight, win every Nike, sport every year, the money. They? I mean, they 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 kill people. But again, you'd be in the Mountain West and you'd be you'd be irrelevant. Oh, Oregon in the Mountain West. Oh. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. Wouldn't be good for the rest of the teams in this conference. I guess they might be able to make a little bit more money, but wouldn't be ideal for teams trying to win. No. Um, I have another question for you on conference realignment. UCLA and USC had like the quietest move to the Big Ten, right? We didn't, we did not know that they were even talking to the Big Ten until John Wilner reported it the morning they left. Like John Wilner reported it that morning, and then later in the day they actually announced it. How did they do that? Did so the same quietly? thing happen with Texas and Oklahoma? It was. I think there was like a couple of days in between when it was reported and when they that actually moved. There were some moved. sources yeah. and some reports, but it was only. It was like within the same week or something. Like it, yeah. it happened there too. And it like in all seriousness, it makes me sit back and be like, "Are, are we going to be stopped for a minute?" Because every time that there's actually a big move, nobody sees it coming. Yeah. Like it just comes out of nowhere. It's like, how did that happen? Same. How did two like two massive brands? organize a move across the country to the Big Ten, and nobody knew about it until the day it was happening. Same people running the Big Ten uh, PR department as the NHL schedule? I guess. I mean, nobody knows it's coming, especially in the L.A. market. And with yeah. so many people, it's impossible nowadays to keep anything quiet with Twitter and with, with sources. And with uh, and props to John Wilner. I mean, he broke it, so great for him. I don't know. He's obviously got really good sources. We've known that from the past. But the fact that we didn't know anything about two L.A. schools, monster, monster schools not moving, and you know people at those schools knew. I don't think, you know, I don't think uh, Lincoln Riley woke up the, and said, we're in the Big Ten with a big question mark oh. on his head. Can, you know, do I, you know how great that would be? I mean, it would be awesome if he, liked, Twitter? if he went, he, <laughs> he rolled over and looked at Twitter and said, now you're in the Big Ten. I don't think that happened. That I think would be there would have been a lot of whispers around that campus along with UCLA that they were moving. God, that'd be incredible if Lincoln Riley did not know I mean, USC was going to the Big Ten. How long were these negotiations? You can't tell me that they didn't that people on those campuses didn't know for the for quite some time. Which yeah. makes it even more impressive that they were able to keep it a secret, by the way. Right. It's it's yeah, it, honestly, it's it's fairly unbelievable that they kept it a secret until the day that it happened. Like I it's impressive. I don't know how they did it because like it feels like everything gets leaked or reported somehow or some way, especially something this big that would impact so many people and so many other programs. Like as like the rest I and I guess maybe that was the 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 motive behind not telling anybody is that if the rest of the Pac-12 finds out, you're going to have to fight them for until you actually sign a deal with the Big 10. So absolutely Impressive that they managed to keep it quiet for that long. All right, you think Darren Millard answers the phone? No chance. Find out next. We if better Darren get something Millard's else ready. Fake vacation. Chickens? 
Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Milsey Millard. How long is this guy's vacation? He's still not answering. The NHL draft is today. He can't yeah. be on vacation. Isn't he back from that weird Prince Edward Island? He probably had lunch with a Gallant and saw the grandkids of Gallant and played some poker and got back. Where is this guy? How long is this lunch with Gerard Gallant? <laughs> Walking the streets of Prince Edward with with Gallant, going over what happened with the Gold Knights. Oh, there'll be some statements there from Gallant. I'll tell you that. Mills right. is trying to talk him off the ledge. I don't. I don't understand what Darren Millard is doing. Um, he. This is tw- two weeks in a row. Uh, kind of ridiculous, but. We've got uh, conflicting reports from hockey media here. Uh, Kevin Weeks tweeted, Marc-Andre Fleury is re-signing a one-year extension to stay in the state of hockey with the Minnesota Wild. But Darren Dreger tweeted, Fleury is not signing a one-year deal with any team. No agreement with the Wild. So two guys that break news in the NHL directly disagreeing with each hmm. other on what's happening with Marc-Andre Fleury. You want to give a guess as to which one is true? Uh, Kevin Weeks has reported the majority of like coaching changes this offseason. I would lean towards I'll him, lean towards Stein in a one-year deal with Minnesota. I Here's the thing that I... I, I don't know. I don't know what Marc-Andre Fleury thinks right now. But Marc-Andre Fleury is going to be 38 for this upcoming season. He was a slightly above-average goalie last year. I have a hard time believing that Marc-Andre Fleury is in a position to demand a multi-year deal when he's going to be 38 this year. Right. So that would lead me to believe that he would sign a one-year extension with Minnesota and that eh, Kevin Weeks is right or something like that. So I'm fascinated to see here what actually happens because I you know like do you think Flurry is good enough to command a multi-year deal at 38? No, not at 38 years old. I don't know if he was good enough the last few years. Yeah. But, you know, but he's I, still on the he was still on the uh uh Golden Knights deal. Yeah, I just I don't quite I don't know, but at the same time would Darren Dreger like Darren Dreger's got to be told by Minnesota to tweet that, right? Well, or or, or maybe uh, by, or by our Alan favorite Walsh. agent, yeah, our favorite agent. Who knows what he's like, doing behind the scenes trying to get a multi-year deal for his guy? Oh boy, can you imagine? Like, what if Flurry told Kevin Weeks, "Yeah, I'm going to sign a one-year deal to stay in Minnesota," and and Alan Walsh is telling Darren Dreger, "No, he will not sign a well, one-year deal." Would it be a shock if those guys weren't on the same page? <laughs> what a sh- <laughs> wouldn't be a shock if those guys weren't on the same page? You know, if you are. Because uh, we had Pierre, Le- Pierre LeBron report that Toronto and Colorado would be interested in signing Marc-Andre Fleury. If you're either one of those teams, are you willing to give Fleury a multi-year deal at 38? No. I, I don't th- I don't know why anyone would give him a multi-year deal at this point. Nothing against him. But like I said, I don't even know if he was worth it the last few years. And he was on the Golden Knights deal, so that's why he was still getting paid what he was getting paid. But he's 38. Uh, now, if I'm Colorado and Kemper doesn't work out, yeah, I'd go look for him for a year. Heck, this is going to sound crazy, but let's say, and I, I do believe this. I don't, I don't think Robin Leonard's starting the season. I, I don't, I don't think, I think that shoulder, whatever he had fixed is worse than they're letting on. And I don't think he'd start the season. And if it's really bad, they'll never do it. But 
would you bring him here on a one-year deal? They wouldn't do it because I just think in their own minds that would be admitting a mistake and, you know, God forbid they ever admit, you know, admit they make mistakes out there in terms of uh, personnel. So what about you? You're the GM, and he wanted he would want to come back for one year and a one-year deal for, like, I don't know, $3 million. Um, $3 million, Probably not because if I'm the Golden Knights, like, in, here's my thought process as the Golden Knights. Logan Thompson is my sort of safety net, my cheap safety net, that if Robin Leonard's not healthy to start the year, Logan Thompson's my guy. And based on what we saw in, what was it, 17 games or something, I got you got some level of confidence that Logan Thompson will be at least an average NHL goalie for the first 20 games of the season. And then, you know, whenever Robin Leonard comes back, we'll just say in this hypothetical, it's 20 games in, then you've got Robin Leonard and Logan Thompson as your two goalies, and that should be good enough to win the Pacific Division and be a Stanley Cup contender. I guess the I might consider your scenario if Leonard was like done for the year. If like they if, knew what, that, if, right? They just which, letting on. which seems unlikely, right? right? Like right. He's, he's having shoulder surgery. It shouldn't be something that sidelines him for an entire year. But if what if something else happened, if he got a bunch of, you know, went backwards in his recovery, whatever. But like if, if for whatever reason, you know that Robin Leonard's done for the year, then I think you consider Marc-Andre Fleury because as much as like you want to have faith in Logan Thompson and what you saw last year is what he's going to be and he could be that for an entire season – it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for a front office to rely on that for a team that should be contending yeah. for a Stanley Cup. Like that's 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 a hard thing to do for a front office to rely on Logan Thompson and I guess Laurent Brossois might still be on the team in that scenario. Is he still gonna it's, be around? That's hard to do. Uh probably not, right? Like if you're the Golden Knights, you've got even if you gotta eat a draft pick, you gotta trade that. It's two point three million dollars and you've got Robin Leonard and Logan Thompson. Like you've right. You've got to eat that. There's, there's the only reason to keep him around is, hey, Robin Leonard's going to miss the first two weeks of the season, and we need two goalies, so we're going to keep Brossois, and then we'll find a way to trade his salary after Leonard comes back. But otherwise, he wasn't very good last year. You're paying him too much money to be a backup goalie, and you've got a much cheaper option in Logan Thompson, who's probably better. Uh, update from Kevin Weeks. Having spoken with both sides on Flurry, I'm told no deals in place. It's a process. Oh. It's NHL draft day, and the in flow process. of information is flying around. I've always tried to get past. I've always tried to get you great NHL fans the most accurate up to a minute info. So, no deal in place with but the it's Minnesota in, it, Is him saying it's in process, trying to save face, or is that him saying, so don't worry, said, guys, this is going to be done? said he spoke to both sides, and that's what he was told. No deal in place, it's a process. Hmm. Hmm. It's a process makes it kind of weird. I can't tell if he's, I, again, I can't tell if he's trying to say, it's a process, they're going to get this done, or, or it's, it's a, process. a process. I was wrong, and I'm trying, I, I'm trying yes. to look like I wasn't completely wrong. Right. I was wrong and, and was whatever. So oh, that's interesting. So Flurry not signing a one-year extension. Not yet. With Minnesota. So we know Alan Walsh, when he sees uh, bad information, he's going to text Darren Dreger and let Darren Dreger right. know, hey, make sure everybody knows. My guy's not signing a one-year deal. 38 years old, he better get a five-year deal again. I That's what I want to hear from Alan Walsh. Marc-Andre Fleury deserves a five-year deal. <laughs> Be great. Uh, I've got an update from you. Darren Millard has texted me. Oh, okay. He says, this kid? 
Sorry. Oh. At the cottage. Oh. Cell service is terrible. Hold on a second. What? He's still on vacation at the cottage. Apparently, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him that right now. And if self self service is um, terrible, how did he text you? That's a good question. That is a good question. How did he get those? He's text continuing to text. Through? He's getting the text through, but he can't answer the phone. If he's I'm uh, disappointed, in Millsy. If he's got an iPhone, he could always just do texting through Wi-Fi. Danny, do not That's let this true. guy off the hook. <laughs> do not let him off the hook. Do not say Whose that he's... Whose side are you Darren on, Danny? Millard. Yes. How dare he? Yes. How there dare he go. for the second straight week not answer his phone when we're trying to get a hold of this guy? It's NHL draft day. We wanted to know who was going at 43. This is ridiculous. It's just it's embarrassing right. at this point for Millsy. Okay. Here's an, important, here's an important question for you. People that use the phrase cottage... Either write children's stories or yes. live in Canada, right? Nobody yes. else uses that word. Yes. Okay. Because I, I cannot even. I don't even know what a cottage is. Like I've, I can't like say Hansel ever, and like, Gretel. Right. I can't say that like I've ever been to a cottage or know somebody that has one. But all these Canadians go on vacation and they just go to a lake and they're like, "Yeah, we're at the cottage." Is it? And I'm like, nobody use the. Uh, Nobody uses that word. Is a cottage like the lake version of a cabin? Like a lake house. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah I like think a it's cabin. just a lake house. Similar to a cabin yeah, on the mountain. Canada. I just say it's a lake house. Right. They they just use this weird word Maybe cottage that it sounds fancier. I guess, but Canadians are well, weird and that's that's where they all go on vacation. They don't what, do he's doing any well, other vacation. He's doing well for himself if he's got a cottage on the water. And he doesn't have to show up on draft yeah. day to cover the NHL. He's doing really like, well geez. for himself. You, you think kind he'd have you think he'd have good phone service doing that well for himself living on a lake? Yeah, you think you'd set that up? Be like, ah, oh, where am I going to be on vacation during the draft? Maybe I should have good service. Maybe I should be able to handle this. Hmm, maybe. All right, coming up next, the Las Vegas Aces lost again last night. Shehazik gets a pass from Plum. Ball batted away by Howard. Now back to Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Her first three-pointer of the night. Looks over to repair for three. Boom, shakalaka-laka, boom. How do I say that in French? Iliano repair for three. Young running the point now for the Aces. Asia wants a foul by Howard there. Jackie's going to fire up a jumper from 15 and nail it. 72-69. Aces back on top. All of the sun, none of the fun. On the Press Box Summer Edition. The Las Vegas Aces lost again last night, this time to the New York Liberty, 112 to 100. Before we get into that, Danny, how'd your WNBA parlay do yesterday? Uh, uh. Wait, did you lose all three? No, I went uh, I went one for three. The only team that came in was the Mystics. The other two uh, favorites... Chicago Sky and the Aces both lost outright. Man, what were the Aces a... laying? The Aces, last time I checked, when I made the bet, they were minus 11 and a half. Oh, However, man. I did, uh, on my parlay, I teased all four teams four points, so they only had to cover seven and a half. <laughs> oh, man. And I got the Sky at plus two and a half. They lost by three. Oh. The Lynx hit two free throws with 15 seconds left, and the Sky missed, missed twice. Earn a slice. That didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, Sky, Sky missed two threes in the final 10 seconds. Are you betting on WNBA games today, Danny? No. 
Oh. No, I'm going to go back to baseball. I okay. uh, I hit the uh, I hit the Yankees <laughs> minus two and a half last night. So uh, you hit it. Yeah, you hit it pretty well, didn't they? Win like sixteen to, to nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you hit it pretty All right. well. So the Ace is lost. They gave up a hundred and uh, was hundred and one twelve points yesterday. Uh, oh, okay. Lost, yeah, I put the score in wrong on okay. the rundown. Ignore me. One sixteen to one oh seven was the final score. Uh, Sabrina Yadescu had a triple double, thirty one thirteen and ten. The Liberty hit 18 threes. Han Shu, who is a six foot ten center for the Liberty, was 11 of 12 from the floor for 24 points. The Aces actually got 24 points from their bench. Ileana Rupert at 13. The Aces hit 13 threes and still lost the game by nine points. Um, okay, you watch these. I've been to two or three, and you and I have talked about this before. They're, they're, they can be really exciting offensively. We like how they shoot threes and spread the floor. But I don't think they've been good defensively for most of the year, and they've just kind of hidden it some games because they're so good offensively. It it, it just seems like the threes that uh, opponents get, there's so many wide-open threes. So where do you think the weaknesses are? It's a, it, it doesn't seem like many of these are contested, just like last night. Not a lot of these are contested. Like, where's the weakness on this team defensively? Because they're just not very good. And as Becky Hammond said after last night, you give 117, that's completely ridiculous. So right now, the Aces are sixth in the WNBA in defensive rating. They are that's amazing. dead average defensive team this year. They're still number one in offensive rating. And it's not even close. They're three points better than Chicago Sky in offensive rating. So... Still excellent on offense, but they are dead average defensively. And it's going to be really hard to win a title if you are dead average defensively. I think Becky Hammond is going to have to make some defensive scheme adjustments because the Aces do two things that lead to breakdowns. They like to double the post and they use, let's say, like lengthy hedges on ball screens Mm -hmm. where the center or the power Mm -hmm. forward gets drawn away. It's not a switch or a trap but gets drawn really mm-hmm. far away from the paint on ball screens. And in both scenarios, what it leads to is the aces have a lot of help and rotation behind either the ball screen or the double in the post. And good passing teams are going to make the aces pay because the for what I don't, the aces are slow. I can't tell if it's a slow to recognize or slow like acceleration. But the Aces rotating defense is very slow because they end up when they, you know, have a ball screen or when they double the post, they end up, you know, the, somebody gets left open, right? But you can right. rotate and recover and prevent them from right. getting a wide open shot. But they but just for don't. Whatever, right. For whatever reason, the Aces still give up the open three or what happened a lot last night, the open sort of lane to the paint where somebody can cut to the paint, catch a bounce pass and score. Han Shu had 11 to, uh, 11 to 12 night doing that type of stuff. So I think Becky Hammond's got to make an adjustment where she asks her defense to do less rotating, less help, because they can't do it very well. They have not been good at it. And I don't know exactly what the fix is. They've tried that weird zone throughout the year. Yeah, they, they, I watched that a couple of times. I don't know if that's a truly a long-term solution, but like, I think she's got to change the defensive scheme because this team is, they're not good when they have to rotate. Now, maybe there's a confusion element where they don't know exactly where they're supposed to be rotating to. And if they get that down, they'll be better at it and it won't be as big of an issue. 
but they're not a good defensive team. And against some good teams we have seen recently, them get crushed with some just, I, I say good passing, but honestly, it's just sort of average passing, right? You come off a ball screen and there's two defenders looking at you. You should be able to find the open player and the aces are slow to rotate. Like she's got to make a defensive adjustment to how they're playing because they're just simply not good enough at rotating behind it. That they're, they're not going to win a WNBA title like this. They're well, not even going to be How close. did they play? How did they play more under Lambeer then? defensively uh why were they better under him defensively so in all in all seriousness it was actually pretty similar under Lambeer right they did a lot of double teaming they did a lot of sort of uh hard hedges on ball screens and a lot of rotating behind it but the key for Lambeer's teams is they were just big and so you didn't get layups even if Asia Wilson got drawn out on a ball screen Liz Cambage was still well, she in the was game sitting in the back yeah yeah right like they were still, Bill Lambeer's team prioritized, we're not giving up layups. You might get some threes, you're going to get some open jump shots, but you're not going to get layups against us. This Aces team has given up everything. I mean, they're giving up layups, they're giving up threes, they're giving up mid-range. Like, last night, the Liberty got pretty much whatever shot they wanted right. on seemingly every possession. So, last year under Lambeer, they took away layups. Now, they're not even doing that anymore.